Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 191st episode of Perception is Reality. This episode is called Better the Devil You Know. You all know what that means, or I hope you know what that means, the idiom, better the devil you know. We'll be getting into that throughout this episode, and we're going to be talking about how that relates to everything that we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes here in just a few minutes. But before we get started in all of that, and even before I get into my advertisement of myself, please share the show and all that stuff. I want to say something uh, to all of you here just momentarily, but I'm saying this to all of you, but I'm specifically speaking to two people, and one of those people I'm going to name, and the other person's going to remain anonymous behind the scenes, but I want to say this to both of these people because I know that they will both be listening, and they will both hear this, but at the same time, I'm saying it to all of you. I have been doing politics in one form or another, some way, be it local, state, or federal politics, in some form or another, honestly, since I've been about seven or eight years old. Seriously, every primary and every general election for every election cycle every year that an election has been held three years out of every four with the fourth year off because there's three years of elections and then we rest a fourth year thank god and i've seriously been doing that i'm 40 years old and i've been doing this since i have been seven or eight years old and i still love it i love it just as much today as i did the very first time i ever knew anything about politics i still feel the same way about all of this today that i did all the way back then when i first was told This is what you're going to be doing. This is what we're doing. This is what this is. I was like, oh, wow, this is so awesome. Now, I don't know why I felt the way that I did about it. I don't know why I got that bug and it caused me to feel the excitement that I felt. I don't know why I still feel it the same way, but I do. Every bit, every bit as much as I did when I was seven every bit as much as I did when I was 13, when I was 16, every bit as much as the first time I walked in to cast a ballot. I have loved politics my entire life. The good, 
the bad, the ugly, all of it. The things that I bitch about, all of the bad, all of the crazy, all of the stuff that makes me want to pull my hair out and makes me go insane, it's all part of it. I love every bit of it. In the off year, when we don't have any races and we don't have any elections, I'm freaking bored. I'm bored out of my skull. We still have stuff to talk about. We still have government to watch. And I'm still involved, even then, because if I wasn't, I would go truly insane. Because politics is my life. And I'm in love with it today, probably even more so today than I was back then, because I'm far more involved today than I was, hell, even in 2015 or 2016. I'm involved more today than I was at any other point in my life. So I love it more now than I ever have. I'm dealing with more of it now than I ever have. And I hope, God willing, and if, if, if my prayers are answered, and if it's truly God's will, I hope to be doing even more with it next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. I truly, truly, truly love politics, and I love what I do, and I love that all of you listen. And that's kind of what I want to talk about before we get into the meat of the show. So, I've always been political, all right? We've covered that many, many times, and we've covered it a lot here. But in 2015 or 2016, the way that I had been political from the very beginning to that point, it changed. Instead of just doing politics for me and doing what I wanted, I started doing a blog. I started writing things down for other people because I wanted to give people information that I had or information that I was taking in and I didn't feel like they had. And so that was when I started doing a form of this I was in Winchester at the time. You know, I think sometime coming up in an episode, probably maybe for my 200th episode, I might go back and kind of redo the very first episode and kind of get into it because I feel much better and more confident now than I did on episode 1001. So I might kind of redo 001 for the 200th episode, but do it better. I think I might do that. But anyways... At any rate, I've been doing this for a while, and then in 2015, it changed. So since I was six, seven, eight, 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 nine, somewhere around in there, from there, literally until 2015, I had always basically did politics the same way. I had always done it from my personal experience, doing it in the way that I felt I could most affect the person that I was involved with or what I was caring about, but I wasn't vocal and I didn't really connect with large groups of people. I would go out and I would knock on doors and I would talk to people for candidates and I would try to get people to vote for people, but I wasn't the activist or the commentator that I am today. 
And then so when that change occurred in 2015, 2016, when I started writing updates and writing information for people to consume, I pretty quickly developed a a little bit of an audience. And I liked the fact that people would use what I would write for information, that they would come to my Facebook page and actively look up what I had written that day. If there was a meeting, they would look to me for a meeting update. If there was something going on, they would look to me for my commentary, my written word about what was going on. And I would have people that would get on and argue with me, of course, like I still do. And I would go back and forth with them. And I would have people that would come to my aid and people that would say, well, I kind of agree with you, but this or that. And it's just like now, but it was on a much, much lesser scale. But I quickly developed a liking of producing that content for those people. Not because it made me feel big and bad, but because I really felt like I was using my knowledge of a subject that I absolutely loved to provide information to people. And it was information that you take me out of doing this, that's fine, but somebody needs to be doing it because people need this information. Whether or not you agree with everything I say or you disagree with everything I say, which you don't, there's nobody out there that can say they don't agree with everything that I say or they do agree with everything that I say. That's just not possible because we've talked about that before. There's nobody that agrees with or disagrees with 100% of everything. That's just stupid to say. But even for people who don't agree with things that I say, they would still get something out of it and it might provide them insight to why the people like me think the way we do and maybe that would be helpful to them. So it was really cool and I really liked it. And I went from writing Monday night after a meeting to writing the Friday night before a meeting and then the Monday before the meeting giving a little bit of a this is what to expect and then Tuesday I would write and give the follow-up. So I was writing like three different posts and I liked it and it seemed like the people were eating it up and it was going great. And I remember at one point, one of the people that was a good friend of mine that was reading my content actually said to me, hey, you might think about not writing as much because people are going to get burnt out. And I thought about taking that to heart and and like leaving one of those dates out just writing a before and an after but I thought you know what like I I just disagree with that so I think I'm going to continue doing how I'm doing and in pretty quick order I started writing four times instead of three I started writing five times instead of four then I started making a couple posts a day, or I might make three posts one day, one post the next, but people were constantly coming in and reading it. And then that's when my brother came to me and my brother said, hey, people are reading your posts. You're getting a good involvement. People are liking what you're saying, or at least they're engaging. You're getting engagement, but your posts are too long. You need to figure out a way to do 
a video or something. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And that was right when Facebook Live was coming out. So I was fortunate enough to start doing the Facebook Live and people were watching. And it was almost like at that point, I was like, I don't want to write another thing. Everything I have to say, I'm going to do in a Facebook Live. I would sit down to write something out and I was like, oh, it's just so much easier to jump on and go live. And when I was doing that, my ex-wife at the time, who even though we are not married and we are ex-husband and ex-wife, she still believes everything that I say. She knows that I know what I'm talking about and she supports me. And we did not divorce over politics or over the podcast or over my activism or my commentary. That's one thing that a lot of people say. Did she divorce you because of all of this? And I'm like, no, she will even tell you, no, I trust him. I believe him. You know, we still talk about politics when we communicate every great once in a while. But people saying that, oh, she didn't support what you were doing. And that's just bullshit. It's just it's just honestly not the case. But some people, mostly my detractors, like to use that. But that's just not true. She was supportive. But even she, in the beginning of me going live, said, now, you only want to do that every so often because people will get sick of it. And I thought she was probably correct for a while, and I only used to go live like twice a month after each Winchester City Council meeting, and I would only go live for five or ten minutes to give the quick update. But then, one time I got a records request and I was sitting down to take pictures of the documents and I was writing out the story that went with it like in a blog format version, like a post on Facebook. And instead of doing that, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post the pictures of the documents by themselves on Facebook and above the pictures, I'm going to say, read these documents and I'll go live in an hour and I will explain my thoughts about these documents. And I did that, and it was very involved. So I was live for like 35 or 40 minutes, and there was a large group of people that watched it. The next day, we had a council meeting, and I went live, and I talked for longer than I normally had, and people watched it. So then I started going live like once a week. Well, we all know what that turned into. Once a week was then twice a week, then it was three times a week. And there was a point where I would go live seven nights a week or seven times during the week. Sometimes I would go in the morning, sometimes I would go in the afternoon. And it wasn't until quite later on that somebody said, you need a dedicated time. But well before that even... A couple people had told me that I needed to start doing a podcast, and so I started Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, and I started podcasting, and I did the podcasts twice a week, Tuesdays and Saturdays, so I was releasing the audio content on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and then... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on and on and on, I was also going live on Facebook, and people loved it, and it was great. Well, at some point, I cut the podcast down to once a week, and that's where we developed what we all know. The audio podcast comes out on Tuesdays, and the live at 35 after 
comes out five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday. And that's what the majority of you all know. So as we've moved along over the last couple of years, probably in about the last year, I know I have been shaky with getting the audio out on Tuesdays. Sometimes it would come out Tuesday, like at midnight, meaning Monday, 11.59, bang, Tuesday, midnight, it's out. Sometimes it doesn't come out until Tuesday morning at 5 or 6 in the morning. Sometimes it comes out at 7 p.m. Tuesday evening. Sometimes it comes out at midnight on Wednesday. Sometimes it doesn't come out until Wednesday afternoon. And for the majority of you, you just listen and I understand that and I thank you. However, in the podcasting world, consistency matters. And I understand that. That's one of the first things you learn as a podcaster. And I know I've always played pretty loosely with that, but for the longest time, I was really good with Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and all the lives. Then when we cut it down to the lives being five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday, and the audio being just on Tuesdays, I still was really pretty good with that for a while. And then sometime last year, I started to wobble from that. And there's been two people in my life, two listeners, one person that's really in my life heavily, and then somebody out there that's a listener named Chris Bunner. And this person that's the anonymous shadow person in my life has always busted my balls and said, you need to have your episodes done and ready to go, and they need to drop Tuesday. And Chris Bunner says... You need to be consistent. There are people out here that count on you to release your episodes on Tuesdays, and if you say you're going to be there at 8.35 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and 9.35 on Thursday for your live video commentary, then that's what you need to do. When we count on you, you need to be there. And I gotta be honest, there have been times that Chris has been upset with me, and I've always told both of these people, look, I understand, I love my listeners, I want to give them the best experience possible, I'm doing so much, I've got two producers that kind of help me out and do what they can, but as far as the content and the recording, like, I'm doing a lot of it, plus I'm going to all these places, and sometimes it gets pushed back, but I've got to tell you, no more. I make this pledge to the Shadow Anonymous person, and to Chris Bunner. Nothing will come before the content. Starting with episode 192, episodes will be released on Tuesday before 5 p.m. Tuesday. So that will give me a little bit of wiggle room between midnight Tuesday, late, late night early, early morning, depending on how you look at it, and 5 p.m. Tuesday. I will get it in the can, and I will get it out for all of you to listen, specifically the shadow person and Chris Bunner, but you will all get to experience this consistency from me because of this. And as far as the lives go, unless I have a technical difficulty that's out of my control or a meeting goes until 2 o'clock in the morning, I will do the very level best that I can to go 8.35 or 9.35, 
Sunday through Thursday. I do not want to make you guys mad. I love all of my interactions with all of you and the people that communicate with me a lot. I have a special place in my heart for all of you. And Chris is one of those people. This anonymous person, they know who they are. And they definitely are. But no more am I going to put you guys on the back burner. So I know this has went way, way long. But I feel like this was very important to talk to you all about this. Chris shared something with me the other day. And she was like, I'm going to share this and I want you to watch this. And I know you're going to do what you want to do. And you're going to live your life the way that you want to live it. And this is the last time I'm going to say anything about it. But I want you to watch this. And I watched it and I thought, you know what? I was thinking all these different things I was going to send back to her. I was going to send back a couple of excuses I was going to send something back being nice. I was going to send something back being crappy. But then when I watched it for a second time, I thought, no, you know what? These people do not have to click on my link. They don't have to give me the time of day. They're not paying for this. But because they click on this, I am getting paid. So then all of a sudden, I started looking at it like I do the elected officials. Meaning, you guys are the boss. I work for you. The content is here for you. And if I'm not making you happy and you're not listening or you're saying, hey, I'm going to cut out, then I need to consider that. Now, if what you're saying is crazy and out of control, then okay, hey, toss off. But what this anonymous person and what Chris Bunner and probably many of you are thinking about the consistency and about me being here on time and ready to go, that's not out of control. And I know it really got bad about two months ago when I got sick with the kidney stones and then the kidney infection, but that's no excuse. I mean, yes, okay, if I'm sick, here or there, you know, something's going to come up, that makes sense. But I've been back for a while, and we've still been having issues, and even before that, I was real kind of flighty with it, but we're just not going to have any of that any longer. That's over. The excuses are all gone. From this point forward, we're going to be here when we're supposed to be here, on time, ready to rock and roll for both the audio podcast and the live video commentary shows. So that's my pledge to the anonymous person, to Chris Bunner, and to each and every one of you. All right, enough of that. We're going to get ready to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the meat of the main episode, Better the Devil You Know. It's episode 191. It's going to be a fantastic episode. And on top of that, it'll be a fantastic episode to share with others. And you know what that means. As I always say, please, 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 Don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks we can be found literally everywhere. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and much, much more. All they have to do is search for us by entering our name, Perception is Reality, with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We can also be found at the home link, perception.fireside.fm. And then lastly, 
Don't forget to look us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilberry318 or Christopher H. Bilberry on Facebook. That's where you'll find my written content as well as my live at 35 after live video commentaries. Please give those a watch. You will not regret it. But again, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share some of my time with you. I very much appreciate it. You guys are absolutely fantastic, and I can't wait to get into the meat of this show. But let's take care of a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this 191st episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Hiring is step one when it comes to our growth. We can't open a new shop or a new location without the right people in place. I couldn't keep up until I found ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter helps us get out there quickly and get us qualified candidates quickly. They sent us applicants that matched what I was looking for. I've hired for every role, entry-level technicians, service advisors, store managers. ZipRecruiter helps me find all the right people, even the most difficult jobs to fill. ZipRecruiter, rated the number one hiring site. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Fox. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by the National Concealed Carry Association. Check them out at the National Concealed Carry Association.com. The National Concealed Carry Association exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates offering elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and providing rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Check them out at nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. Do not delay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Episode 191, Better the Devil You Know. So, we've all heard that idiom, better the devil you know, the the full extended phrase, the proverb, if you will. It's an Irish proverb from like the 1300s, is better the devil you know than the devil you do not know. And we all know what that means, right? It's better to deal with something that you know, however bad it might be, rather than take the chance on something that you don't know or somebody that you don't know because you never know how bad they might be. And I believe, kind of like the whole perception is reality thing, you know, that's something that people use all over. And it's kind of funny when I first picked it for the podcast, a bunch of people were telling me like, that's a kind of a neat saying. And, and I said like, have you never heard it before? And they were like, no, 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 not really. And then it, it seemed like for the first year, year and a half, any time somebody would hear on radio or TV, somebody say perception is reality, I would always get these clips, these audio clips and video clips and pictures sent to me by people, friends and family and other listeners that would be like, listen, I I was watching uh, the show Big Brother on CBS and one of the contestants said perception is reality. Oh, 
And I'm like, well, you know that I didn't invent that, right? Like, that's a pretty famous saying. But but really, really, if you talk to people in philosophy or psychology or, you know, scientists who talk about things like this and they talk about perception and they talk about what reality is, you know, they they say, really, that's not true. Perception is not in fact, reality. It's just your perception, okay? It's the way you perceive things, and the way that you perceive things can be created because of lots of different factors. The the way that you've grown up and, and what you have dealt with in life and whatever is going on medically or psychologically in your life that might be affecting you or what the conditions were at the time that you perceived whatever. And so that might alter what really was going on, and that does not necessarily mean that it's reality. So in real life, the phrase perception is reality sometimes it can be true, but it's not always true. It's not a hard and fast rule. But then I always flip it around and say, well, in politics, it is true. Meaning, in politics, even if something isn't truly correct, if the constituents believe it, if it looks like X, Y, and Z, even if it isn't X, Y, and Z, if if the people think it's X, Y, and Z, then that's what they're going to go on. And I say, even though in real life, perception is reality, isn't a hard and fast and true rule in politics, it is. So I kind of flip it on its head. Well, we have to do the inverse with this saying, better the devil you know. We need to turn it around because I feel like people get this kind of belief So, I'll give you an example. In Winchester, focusing on that community where I lived for nine years, where I really started to kick off the idea for the podcast and really started focusing on what was happening there in 2015-2016, we were dealing with a mayor who I believe was completely out of control. He was ill-prepared. He was a first-time mayor. It was his first time ever holding office. He ran as a Democrat. He ran as a moderate Democrat. We later found out he was really a socialist, and he was power-hungry, and he had absolutely no knowledge of what he could or couldn't do and what the council's job was or wasn't, and he just said, screw it, I'm going to do whatever I want, and if I want something done, I'm going to go for it, and that's it, and that's that, and nobody can stop me. And so we were like, oh, God, that's, you know, we can't wait to get him out of here. And he ran for state representative, and I was like, no, 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 we do not need him down at the state house. This dude is not good with state laws. We definitely don't need him making state laws. So we did what we could to beat him as state representative. And the guy that I picked to support in that race, I didn't know him. I knew Sean Byram. And in my mind, Sean Byram was the politician that was the devil. So in that case, if I would have went with this 
Irish proverb, better the devil you know than the one you don't, then I would have put Sean in or wanted Sean to be in because, let's be honest, the guy who beat him for that race, J.D. Prescott, has turned out to be a horrible representative. Like, we want J.D. gone, but I still would have rather J.D. had been in all of this time rather than Sean Byram. Now let's look at it in a different way. After that race, then we've had to focus on whether or not Sean was going to run for re-election. And we knew how he governed. We did not want him in any longer. And he made it easy for us. He decided he was not going to run for re-election. So, boom, he just decided, I'm done. So that year, in 2019, I had one of my friends running, a producer on this podcast, Niles Thornburg, was running for mayor. And then there was another guy running for mayor as a Republican and another guy running as a Democrat. Niles was beat in the primary, so the two candidates that faced off that November was Bob McCoy and Bill Richmond. Now... I knew both of these guys from dealing with them in Winchester and in Randolph County politics. And I really didn't want either one of them. In the end, I picked Bill Richmond, and Bill was not a good candidate. There was no way he was going to win. Bob McCoy had it sewed up. He had the election, you know, won. And he, he won, and he's been the mayor, and he's been a horrible mayor. Now, people have asked me, well, would you have rather Sean Byram had stayed in office? Would you have rather not pushed so hard to get him out? And I was like, that kind of goes back to that whole better the devil you know idiom than the devil you don't. We could have said... We'll deal with Sean Byram because we know how he acts. The problem is there was no way for us to control him. We could argue we could have brought the whole town in against him. And there was no way that we could control him. So in that case, it didn't matter what the next guy did. We needed rid of Sean Byram. And then we put the next guy in and we kind of like hide our eyes, shield our face and, you know, pray to God and cross our fingers. Now, Bob has been in office. He's done a horrible job. He's been pretty quiet, really, for the first couple of years. He's had a couple blips. But now all of a sudden in the middle of this third year, he's really picked up and he's kind of went crazy and we're now trying to settle him down. And he too is acting like he's going the way of Sean. He cannot be controlled. He will not be held accountable. So the best thing that we can do is defeat him in his next upcoming election. 
doesn't matter who gets in there next. There's a couple people lining up to run, and I think that I think that Niles Thornburg is going to run again. I think he's going to run as a libertarian this time. I will back him, and if he wins, and if we can get him to win, that would be fantastic. Niles would be a hell of a public servant. He is a 20-year military veteran. He has been in leadership roles, although we are not calling elected officials leaders. We're calling them public servants. He would be a great public servant. But if, for whatever reason, he is unable to make it through, whoever else, whoever else could win, and at this point, I am willing to say, we will deal with that at a later date. We just have to get rid of Bob. So, let's apply that to my hometown in Muncie. We have a mayor right now in office, okay? And he's not, in my opinion, doing the best. I really wish we could defeat him in the next election. And it's like people are trying to jockey to see who's running for office. And there's a couple people. There's a couple people from both sides that I would be willing to support. I would support a Republican if the Republican challenges Dan in the primary. I would support a couple different Democrats. But there's one specific Democrat that we have been hearing that would run, that if that person would run then the whole concept of better the devil you know may hold out because, like, if this one specific person would run, which it's the person who we refer to as she that shall not be named, for those of you that have listened for an extensive amount of time, you will know who I'm referring to. She is a former Muncie city councilor for a couple terms back in the 2015, 2011, 2015 uh, time frames, she was defeated in 2019. I absolutely do not want her to win at anything, so I would vote for whoever over her. In that case, Dan would be the devil and she would be the devil, but she would be the greater enemy at that point. So let's break this down for the folks that might not be familiar with Winchester or might not be familiar with Muncie and might not care about any of those places. Like, what are, what are we talking about here? The whole idea of somebody getting in office and their supporters being at their ready and not being able to see anything wrong that they do and they're there and they're saying, this is my person and I would never pick anybody over this person. It's something that has happened, you know, the whole to the victor goes the spoils so the person gets in office and he or she is able to insulate themselves with their supporters and they have a wall of people around them that will defend them and cheerlead for them and and strike out that's nothing new that happens everywhere to anybody and everybody in politics so you're oftentimes going up against more people than just the one political figure you're going up against the political figure their staff their supporters and when you're trying to 
fight the good fight, don't get bogged down in trying to change the mind of the cheerleaders or the supporters of that specific candidate. When you're talking about people who rely on this person for a job or they rely on this person to feel like they have a little bit of power because while I don't work and and get money because I'm connected with mayor so-and-so or senator so-and-so, I do feel like I have power or influence because I can call mayor or senator or governor so-and-so on the phone and he or she will take my phone call. And anybody else out there will never be as good as my person. So my person might fall down and stub his or her toes. They might make some blunders, but I'm never going to point those out. Because better the devil you know. And so to the people who are entrenched around these people, that idiom, that proverb holds true. To those of us that are on the outside and all we say is, look, we're not getting caught up on who it is, where it is, what it is, what side they're on. All we are concerned about is common sense and what they're doing for the community and what they're doing to make things better for the majority of the people. That's all we truly care about. That's all we care about. Locally, locally, it's not about politics. It's not about Republican, Democrat. Okay? Let's get this through our heads. It doesn't matter if you're in Indiana. It doesn't matter if you're in Colorado. It doesn't matter if you're in Florida or if you're in Michigan or if you're in Nevada or if you're in California or if you're in New York or any of the other states in the United States of America. Locally, in your communities, at the school board level, specifically locally, we see it at the school board level because they are nonpartisan. They do not file as Republican-Democrat. Some people say that local offices shouldn't file Republican-Democrat, and I don't go that far. I'm okay with them having their beliefs and filing under the banner that holds their beliefs, But we as a population just need to understand that locally, the mayor, the city council members, the county commissioners or county executives, whatever they're called in your neck of the woods if you're outside of Indiana, the local office holders, the local public officials, the coroner, the sheriff, judges, those people at the town or village level, the city level, the county level, they are not there to deal with United States immigration issues. Now, yes, if you are along a border town, your community might worry about things like that. I understand that things can be different because of where you're at. But... Those people aren't dealing with First Amendment right issues. They're not dealing with abortion. Okay? The bottom line is, pretty much as the standard, as the norm, local politics does not deal 
with Republican beliefs, Democrat beliefs. They're dealing with bringing jobs in, police and fire protection, trash and snow removal, clean water, wastewater, economic development, and then a few other fluffy things here and there and, and uh, you know, maybe marrying somebody, shaking babies and kissing hands, that kind of thing. Making the community feel like they're special, making the community feel like they're cared about. So when you're dealing with that, I, I literally have seen people that watch my lives and listen to these podcasts, people that listen and watch me week in and week out, they will be on a post in which I push a candidate. Hey, folks, you know me as being a no-nonsense, conservative, constitutionalist, libertarian, right-leaning, you know, strong constitutional-minded person, and I'm telling you that I support this Democrat candidate. And if you guys want to make things better in your community then you will vote for this person. And the first comment from John Doe listener is, oh, Bilberry, I love you, buddy, but I would never vote for a Democrat. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. This person isn't dealing with abortion, man. This person isn't dealing with, like, you know, CRT in schools and taking away your guns. This person is wanting to make things better on the county council, and we need this person to win, and this person needs every vote possible. And what it's going to take is, for this person to win, a lot of Republican voters to switch over and vote for this person because that's what we need. And it can't be a thing where we're getting caught up in something that doesn't matter. So that's the first thing that you need to understand. Politics doesn't need to come into it. And, and I hear that with these people when I'm like go, really going against somebody and I'm, I'm criticizing this candidate for being a certain way. Like, for example, in Winchester with, with Bob McCoy, I'm criticizing this person and all of Bob's supporters, the first thing they go to is, I'm just a bad guy. I'm evil you know, I should, I should go to church. I should pray. They're praying for me. I'm like, no, no, thank you. You know, I don't know what you're praying for. Please don't do that. And they're like, you know, you just sound like a dumb Democrat. And I'm like, no, no it's, got, it's got nothing to do with the fact that Bob calls himself a Republican. I honestly don't think he would have a clue what a true conservative belief was if he actually sat down and read them. But that's got nothing to do with this. I don't like him because what he's doing in office. But those people won't listen to those concerns. They won't listen to those 
critiques. They won't listen to that criticism because the newspaper doesn't run them, because the newspaper's dead. 189, death of the fourth estate. The newspaper's not out here digging and clawing and coming up with the truth on any of the matters going on locally. Then because of that, these people have decided, well, if there's not any kind of media out here to expose me, if they're not criticizing me, then I'm not going to listen to criticism from just any John Doe off the street citizen. I'm not going to listen to John Q. Public. I'm sure as hell not going to listen to Christopher Bilbrey. Because these people have this sense of power from being held accountable. They feel like they can not be held accountable. That we as the public cannot hold them accountable. And unfortunately, that's kind of true. Because at the end of the day, we can demand that they resign. We can demand that they they act the way that we want them to act. But they don't have to resign. We have no way to recall them. We have no way to get a special election to remove them and impeach them from office. The only thing that we can do is continue holding their feet to the fire. And I know it sometimes gets hard. It gets, it gets laborious. And, and it takes a long time. You're like, what? We've got to do this for the next two years? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's why we need so many people to come forward and be part of this movement because we need people that can like bow out for a while, take a vacation, take a break, recoup, and we need people to be able to fill back in and take their place. And then when those people get rested up, they come back in and then the other part of us can go out and take a break because we have to keep applying the pressure Because these people are not getting it from the media. Maybe the media is just completely dead in your area. Maybe the media is completely in bed with the politicians and and just writing all glowing pieces for the elected officials like happens in Muncie. Maybe in some cases the media is the government like in Winchester. You know, if you look at what goes on in in Henry County, they've got a newspaper, but it only reports what's beneficial to it. It protects its friends in government and looks the other way and goes after the enemies or just won't even mention other candidates, which gives its friends a leg up. So you play a lot of games like that, and then on top of that, you're dealing with these friends and supporters of these candidates who won't listen to criticism. The candidates, the officials, won't listen to criticism. Criticism makes you and I a bad person. We need to figure out a way to convince people. And, and I, I, I am starting to believe this. It might be better for us to just say, look, everybody in politics and government sucks. The people in office currently right now, 
They're sucking. We don't want to give them another shot for the majority. Now, there are good people. Like, for example, in the city of Muncie, there are some really good city council members that I want to give another shot. But obviously, you know, there's exceptions to this. It's not a hard and fast rule. That's the big thing in politics. Nothing is hard and fast rules. Nothing is locked down. It's all a case-by-case basis. So... Back to what I was saying, for the folks that are bad, you just want to get them out. Someone says, well, we don't know who's going to run. Okay, well, we, we, we just need somebody to run, and we'll take our chances. Because better the devil you know in office now versus whoever could be running, whatever could be coming down, you know, the stream. We'll deal with that then. If they're bad in office, don't keep electing them back to office. So many people do that. We handcuff ourselves because we don't have anyone that will run against these people. People say, well, that mayor can never be beaten. I'll never run against that person. Well, if we never run against the person, you know, they're never going to get beaten. It's like, it's like getting mad that you don't win the lottery. There used to be the joke. I used to get in trouble for saying it because my my grandmother was like, God doesn't like gamblers. But I heard a joke one time, and it was this guy was praying to God, please, dear Lord, let me win the lottery. And he went out and he bought a lottery ticket. And the next day, He had no more money than he did the day before. And he did everything right. He lived a good life. And that night he prayed and said, Please, tomorrow, dear Lord, let me win the lottery. And he went to bed. And the next day he got up and he went throughout his day and he lived his life. And he had no more money that night than he did the day before. That night he was frustrated, but he prayed again, please, please, God, I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm living the way that you want me to. I'm helping people at the church. I'm, I'm tithing what little money I have left. Please, please help me win the lottery. And he fell asleep feeling good. He had prayed to the Lord, and he knew that the Lord would provide for him. The next day he woke up and he went about his life and he did everything good. He was more welcoming and more more happy and more warm to strangers. He gave the shirt off of his back to someone. When he got home, he was going to bed. And he realized he had no more money than he had any of the other previous days. And he got down on his knees and he said, Dear Lord, please, please hear my cries. Please, Lord, I'm praying to you. Please let me win the lottery. And at that time, thunder rolled and lightning striked, and the clouds parted, and God said, Hello down there. I hear you, and I've been picking the numbers that you would want the last three days. 
but you're not going in and buying the tickets. You have to go in and buy the tickets. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that thing. So we're praying that things are going to get better, but yet we're not actually going through the steps to, to do anything to make things better. We have to actually go through the steps to make things better. We have to get someone to run to be able to even have a shot at beating the devil that we currently know. Now, let me tell you, in 2019 in the city of Muncie, we were looking at a pretty dismal situation. We had a mayor who had been under investigation. Several people in the mayor's administration had been looked at by the FBI, been investigated. They had been interviewed by the FBI. They had been arrested by the FBI. They had been indicted by the, by the federal government. And they were going to do prison time. We now know, after the couple years that have passed, you know, eight, nine, ten some people have been connected in this. And at that time, we were in an election period. The current mayor at that time was not seeking re-election. He had been arrested. And we were looking at a couple candidates. And one candidate was tied in with the administration that was under fire. And then here set this really good looking guy that was saying everything right. He won and almost instantly started letting me down. Almost instantly, there started being issues. And at that moment, I knew we are stuck with this guy for a long four years. It's going to be a long four years. Now, currently, as I sit here today... There are some rumors about who might run. Good rumors, bad rumors. And at this point, I don't know who is actually going to run when that filing period comes up in about six more months from now. That being said, short of it being two people, I would vote for literally anybody else besides who we're currently dealing with. We have to get to a point where we say, look, it can't be any worse than what it currently is. Let's give this next person a shot. Maybe it's the case of we've just got to keep cycling through people and one of these days we're bound to get a good one. Maybe we'll have a good one for a term. Maybe we'll have a good one for two terms. Maybe three if we're lucky. And then we're going to be in for a couple bad ones. It goes back to what I said in episode 117 about it being like one step forward, seven steps back. You know, you have one good candidate. And then all of the sudden, all of the sudden, we're back to all of the craziness and having several candidates right in a row that are bam, bam, bam. And, and I know it sucks because, you know, this is long periods of time. 
Health state representatives and United States congressmen are two-year. Most political offices are four years. Judges are six-year terms, and, and some are longer. And when you're dealing with somebody who is really screwing things up, And you're like, I don't know, you know, I I don't know. We've got like two more years in this judge's term. She keeps letting out all of these child molesters and all of these violent criminals. Who could we possibly elect in her position? And then it comes time for her election to be up and nobody runs and so it doesn't matter what goes on she's there for another six years it gets a little hard to 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 swallow again kind of like episode 189 and 190 i'm just kind of going off free form talking about this whole concept of, you know, sticking with the one that you've currently got because at least you know what you're dealing with versus looking out at what possibly could be. Could it be worse? Could it be better? I'll say this. It can always be worse, but you can deal with it. But you can't let that... cause you to be fearful enough to continue electing the same people in term after term after term that are are hurting us. It's costing us money. It's lying to us. That will not work for us. That works against us. Better the devil you know Versus the devil you don't might be an idiom or a proverb that works for you in the real life, but it certainly does not work here. Now, I would like to be able to convince people who are standing up in these people's corners, but maybe they're too far gone. Maybe we need to spend our time dealing with the public at large. You know, one of the biggest things I try to do for several months, several months leading into an election, is voter registration. We need to be working on getting new people registered or people who are long overdue but have just never voted we need to get them registered we need to get the people who were registered but moved or changed their name and their registration is expired and invalid wrong we need to fix those things and we need to get those people to the polls we have such an untapped untapped reservoir of people people that could really swing the an election could really swing an election 
but we just leave those people on the table each and every time. Because people always start to buy into all of the insanity of, well, at least it's not somebody worse. My vote don't count. You know, doesn't matter what we do anyways, they're all going to steal from us. Those type of beliefs can really hurt us. And in a world where you have the government officials, those in power, that act like they don't or won't take criticism, we need to stand up and say, bullshit, we have the criticism for you right here. That's why what goes on here at this podcast and in the lives, that's what goes on here on this platform. Perception is reality and the live after 35 after, the video commentary, those things are important. Bringing people to the show is important. Bringing new people in, continuing to listen episode after episode after episode. Yes, there are better shows than others, but they are all important and they all tell a story. They all bring other people in and they give people ideas and they might turn on a light bulb for someone and might open a door. I'm to the point of saying, hey, they're all devils, you know. It, you know, that whole thing, let's uh, vote for the lesser of two evils. Well, no, I don't want to do that anymore. That's why one of these days, I hope, that we are going to be able to create a large enough army of audience members that can know their specific roles, some that'll help out in the trenches, some that'll help out on the ground, some that'll help out behind the scenes, some that'll be the candidates, some that'll be on the phones, some that'll be emailing, some that just go out and vote, all that go out and vote, so we can know that we can pitchfork the devil we know for the angel that's running in the race. And that's what I hold out hope for. When we first started this episode and I was talking about building up and everything that I've done and then I got into how the podcast went, I, I was telling you guys how I'm going to promise you that I will keep up with content and release content when I'm supposed to. One thing I told you is, no matter what goes on, I love this. And talking about what we've talked about in the last three episodes is really some bottom-of-the-barrel shit, stuff that really sucks. Things that make it hard to want to be politically active. But when you step back and you review this, even this is good. It gets me excited. And that's why I'm able to stay in this even when we are against the wall and it seems like things can't get better. Because I know 
that good will overcome. We might lose battle after battle after battle, but we can and we will win the war. And by God, that's what we need to do. And I need you, and you need me, and we need everyone else. We can do it. We can come together, and we can make a change. And we're never more going to have to settle for saying this devil or that devil because we're going to be able to count on the good guys for a change. So that's where I'm going to wrap up. Screw the devil you know and the devil you don't. We have a good guy, a good girl. We have the angel that's going to come in and help us. The public servant, the veteran, the police officer, the doctor, the teacher, the stay-at-home mother, the retired pharmacist, whatever, the factory worker, the street department employee that runs for office, firemen, those people, the people that make up us, make up the community that says, you know what? I don't know that I'm ready, but God, I gotta be better than that guy over there. I'm here to tell you, you are. (laughs) So, just don't put yourself down. Understand that anybody, anybody can, can get to a point where they can better their community by their involvement. And that's what it's all about. To hell with the devil you know and the devil you don't. We're going to be putting our money on the angel that we know is coming to save the day, politically speaking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you each and every one for listening to this episode. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. I promise, starting with episode 192, we will be back on Tuesday, and then we will be back on time before 5 p.m. every Tuesday following. Also, don't forget to check me out on Facebook. That's where you will get the written content, the articles, the other links that I share, along with, most importantly there, the live at 35 after live video commentary five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday night. And that will be on time, mostly at 8.35, sometimes 9.35, depending on what's going on. But I will keep you guys abreast of what's happening. Of course, these audio episodes will be coming out every Tuesday before 5 p.m. And I make that promise to you all, but especially to the anonymous person and to Chris Bunner. Thank you both for kicking my ass and getting me on the path there that I need to that I need to be on. And thank you to all of you that have been listening. This will conclude 
these three episodes that all go together, starting with 192. We will be back on a different kind of topic each episode, so we will go from there. Please share the show with everyone you know. Remember, all it takes is a little bit of us to get together with a little bit more and a little bit more, and we can make a difference. We can better government through our individual and community citizen involvement. We need you. I want to help you. I want you to help me. We can better our neighborhoods, our communities, our districts, our state, our section of the country, our country, and the world, but we have to start somewhere, and I truly believe we can do it. We just need to start here at home. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. I love all of you. Thank you for reaching out to me and communicating to me throughout the weeks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. God bless each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay tuned, and stay true. I'll see you on episode 192. Take care. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.